Pilot Feast drops in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Maybe you're uh, doing the dishes. Maybe you're walking the dog. Maybe you're stuck in traffic. Whatever the case, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Health IQ. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck and cardboard. I am your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who always keeps his PS Vita charged, just in case. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. Uh, Australia still needs your help. If you uh, want to chip in to help in their um, recovery and putting out these fires, there are still wonderful ways to do that. And uh, register to vote. It's not too early to register for vote if you are in the United States. Indeed. Good sentiments both. Um, We have an awesome show for you folks. We have lots to get to. There's uh, interesting news. We had CES this week, although not tons of gaming stuff coming out of CES. But uh, we have games to talk about. We're going to talk a little bit about your responses to our top five games of the decade that we talked about last week. There was a very lively Reddit thread where uh, listeners were going back and forth and posting their lists, which was awesome to see. But the best news is we have an awesome guest to do all of this with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for Dramedies, Leagues, and Conventions. Because you know her from Good Game on YouTube Red, E-League on TBS, and as host of BlizzCon every year, none other than Michelle Morrow is joining us for the first time. Hello, Michelle. That was a very nice introduction. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm, I've been a big fan of your work uh, for a long time, so I'm glad to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. Now let's. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit, that aforementioned subreddit, fiveby5dlc.reddit.com. Uh, and you can also send us an email, dlcfeedback at gmail.com is where you'd send that. Michelle, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Probably, well, I'm excited about the Sword and Shield expansion, so that's pretty cool. Yes, we got a Pokemon Direct, Mm -hmm. which is the the Nintendo's way of announcing things these days, and kind of an interesting thing that we just had Pokemon Sword and Shield released not too long ago, just a couple of months ago, and so... Pretty surprising that they'd have a Pokemon-focused Nintendo Direct this soon after after the new year. And so soon after the game has been uh, released, too. I mean, to have this big of a DLC coming, this this Isle of Amor, I guess, that's supposed to be giant. I really like the way that they've, you know, done the combat this time in the game. So I'm really excited to see what this 
what it's going to look like and what you know the new Pokemon. Yeah, I'm so I mean I'm very interested to get your take on this because I'm not a really a Pokemon guy. I don't I don't I've never been into the series, but I know that some people got a little unhappy when Sword and Shield came out and had fewer total Pokemon in the Pokédex. Oh lord. And it seems like this is this is the way they're they're divvying them out, right? Is, is am I right in saying that sort of feels like the DLC was always planned and it was going to be like more chunks of Pokemon coming out I this way? I think so. I mean, yeah, but I, people are so silly. I feel like I, I think everybody plays Pokemon a little differently. For me, I always just like beat the end boss and then I stop. I guess every time people want to like refill their Pokedex just to do it every single time. Um, I just don't, I don't know. <laughs> I never do it to like yeah. that extent. I'm always like, cool. I beat the gym leaders. I got my guy. I got my legendary. I'm out. Right. But you got to catch them all, is my understanding. <laughs> Apparently uh, you do. And there was a time in my life, Jeff, that, that that's what I did. I spent a lot of time on that. And now I'm like, ah, I got to beat the gym leaders and, you know, get a legendary. Yeah. And we're moving yeah. on. <laughs> but I'm excited to have a little bit more content on it, though, instead of just like, here's another this and that Pokemon game, you know, right away. Right. Yeah, and I guess it's going to have two new biomes. There's there's a tundra that's coming in the fall, which is a snowy area, and a, uh, a an island that's going to happen in the spring uh, in June. That like I think it's kind of cool that they put them out when they're thematically weather relevant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and there's going to be a new co-op mode, uh, which sounds kind of cool. So y- this is. You've been playing Sword and Shield and you're like, you're already ready for yeah, more? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I've been done playing with just like the main campaign part. So, you know, having something new to do is sort of fun, especially to do with, you know, especially with the co-op. Like, that's cool to do with some friends and whatnot. I mean, there are a lot of other games I'll probably play, but Pokemon's like just that one where I just want to chill out, you know, and I want to have Stardew Valley in the background or something <laughs> and not be playing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Christian, I know you have gotten into the Sword and Shield a bit as well. Um, what do you think about the announcement of an expansion? Yeah, I'm all in favor of this. <clears throat> excuse me, of this expansion. I think it's really cool. I think it's very exciting. I like that they're not selling me like Ultra Sword and Shield or something like that. Because you know, for many a Pokemon, I have sometimes four copies of <laughs> of said Pokemon. Right. Um, I didn't. I went. Four very seldomly did I go for, but I definitely have two copies of Sun. Um, was that Deluxe? Whatever they called the the next, you know the the everything in it. Super Turbo Hyper Fighting. Is that yes, what it, was thank that? you. Yeah. yeah, that's the one where I could, you could play as the bad guy. Finally, you could play as M Bison. <laughs> um, so I, I like this approach, and I think thirty dollars from what they talked about is um, seems like a good price point for this. It seems like it's adding a lot of meat to the game. Um, the only thing that I wish Nintendo had done differently, and, and maybe I, I'm misremembering something, but I feel like when the Pokedex uh, kerfuffle happened with the limited Pokedex and not including all prior Pokemon, was there were comments like, you know, this is our first mainline Pokemon on a handheld with graphics like this. We just couldn't get them all in there. And Nintendo kind of waffled on their messaging for why they didn't bring the whole Pokedex over. And now they're including a whole lot more Pokemon, like some older and then some newer. And so it kind of kneecaps that argument of like, we would have, but we couldn't. I I wish just for like, turns out we just needed 30 more of your dollars. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We, we, we couldn't, we just couldn't do it without 30 more of your dollars. Yeah. I, 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 I wish 
I I wish they would have just said like uh this is the game we're making and we're proud of it. I think you're going to love it. You know, just something like that. And I feel like they're messaging around why the whole Pokedex didn't come over initially in Sword and Shield was less than ideal. And now I think they're going to continue to be, um, you know, needled by hardcore fans with this DLC. But if you can get past all of that, I think Sword and Shield is an incredible game. And I think this DLC looks to add a whole host of content for half the price, what Ultras would add in the past, you know, or Deluxe or whatever. So I, I I like it. I'm very excited. What do you guys think of this staggered release thing where you, you buy a, a expansion pass, which you can buy now and you get like a demo previewing some of the content. And then in June, you get some, a new island with a bunch of stuff. And then in the fall, you get more. It, it seems kind of interesting to me because they could have theoretically broken those up, I guess, into two separate DLC releases. But it's kind of interesting that it's one pack that gets put out over the course it's more like a season pass yeah Mm -hmm. i like that better personally i i just like that kind of a play because you do kind of you play a game for a couple months or a month and then i mean there's other games that you want to play and get into so after you play the content after a little while and you've got other stuff you want to go devote your time to if they give a little bit of a facelift to it or you know add some stuff of course you want to like jump back in and play again. I mean, I'm sure they've seen that work on like even just Pokemon go when they have, you know, community events and um, you know, even though it's a free game, I'm sure that they see that when certain events happen, people do log in more often. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps it in the zeitgeist. It keeps it in your, yeah. And it makes it mind. fun and whatnot. Yeah, totally so do. I think it's, I, I don't know. I yeah. like that though. I'm, I'm always been sort of an expansion sort of person. So I like that. I think that's cool. Yeah, and it's several news cycles, right? It's the argument of Mandalorian versus Witcher. One, people talk about over weeks, and this, you know, we'll be talking Pokemon again when the next update happens, if it seems like it's, you know, worthwhile. Otherwise, it's, hey, the DLC's out, and then you're done, (laughs) you know? So as long as the updates are meaty and um, deliver kind of what they're promised, I think it's great. I think it's part of the reason why Fortnite is still so successful, and it or like Destiny 2, every week there's where's Zer, yeah. you know <laughs> like yeah that's stuff to talk about all the time yeah. constantly yeah yeah uh, the other big announcement from the pokemon direct was a remake of an old game boy advance pokemon game pokemon mystery dungeon rescue team dx starring oh. scooby-doo and the gang mouthful <laughs> for, certainly uh it's coming to nintendo switch in march so not too long to wait march 6th uh, it's got a demo out already. It looks like a really extensive graphic overhaul of the old Game Boy Advance game. I, like I said, not into this this franchise, so I wasn't really even aware of this game. I don't know if this landed on you guys as as a big deal. Is it a big deal that I just don't know about? I mean, I I never played that game ever or the original one so i think it's interesting like you play as a pokemon from what i was reading so like i'm curious sort of like how that goes and what that was like and how that's going to be revamped for now um some i mean i'm certainly curious about it um but i don't know did you play it christian i mean no like in passing i'm pretty sure my little brother owned it it was always one of those games where it was like Okay, I guess I, 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 it was just, yeah, it's kind of a blind spot for me. I think I played more Pokemon Snap <laughs> than I ever did Mystery Dungeon. Huh. Interesting though. And, and yeah, like Michelle said, you, 
Evidently, you wake up as a Pokemon. There are no humans in the game at all. It's just all Pokemon world. Um, so it's interesting. And boy, the the revamp graphics look uh, look really sharp and colorful and, and yeah. very um, animated looking. I, I was I was taken by the the little trailer they put out and you're like escaping humans that are trying to capture you and force you into a life of fighting is that <laughs> yeah, how it works <laughs> yeah it's uh makes poke it puts it in a whole new light <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right christian what is your story of the week jeff what do you think my story of the week is uh you're pining away for a certain cape and cowl still dude I hate that this is my story. I love Still, you. I hate that this is right, that you are right. Every week since your story. I hate that this is my story because there's a very other interesting story that I know we will talk about that I think is fascinating and uh, what does it say for the industry and all of this cool stuff. Meanwhile, WB Montreal has to have hemorrhoids by now because you got to poop or you got to get off the pot, WB Montreal. <laughs> You cannot. Right. That's a visual I didn't need, but go ahead. It's bad for you to sit on the toilet for a long time. You're not. Yeah, I'm you aware of that. Do I'm your not business. unaware of that. I just didn't need to be that metaphor. <laughs> Sorry. You just need to wipe your bottom. And I'm just. Um, <laughs> WB Montreal. <laughs> WB Montreal once again decided to tweet out the vaguest of vague teasers for a game we all know. We, we don't know anything about it, but we know it's, you know, everything about it, but nothing about it. The next Arkham game, Capture the Night, tweeted out with an image with maybe a silhouette for Batman. And like, now the rumor is PlayStation's going to have a PSX style event uh, in February 21st. And it's going to be revealed there as a next gen title. But like, when, when was this first teased, Christian? uh september september was the first so at a certain point you got to stop teasing me you know what i'm saying it's uh there's a lot of teasing going on and uh you know you you tease and then you come out with the actual full reveal you don't there's no like at a certain point it's like wake me up when this is something more than a a, you know a, a jpeg that's been split into two parts and you can clearly put it together and like oh that's gotham city's logo okay here we go i think it was ign and i'm sorry other outlet if it was another outlet that had an article that was like these teases suck and you make me like the game less and it's like teases are fun if it's like okay in one week or a countdown clock or you know what is this image and then a month later we let you know but when you know an entire uh <laughs> quarter you know a a, a fiscal quarter has passed and i i don't still know what the game is it seems like a little excessive it was leaked before september that's why you're like when was it teased like the a version of this game has been you know it's like the game awards this year e3 2014 (laughs) you know like since arkham night and yeah i'm very excited for the game but wb montreal you're killing me, Smalls. I don't know, Michelle, if you had a game that you've been, you know, so hyped for that they decide to tease you with a feather from 200 yards away, but that's how I feel. Well, remember, you know, Overwatch did that with like Sombra, for instance, where they had like right. a QR code <laughs> in the sky if you happen to look up at X time or a song, I think that um, somebody figured out like it was a song that was coded. It got crazy. Like, it was kind of fun at first, and then it got it got pretty, like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's going on? It's a fine line with this stuff because it's fun when you feel like, oh, wow, there's really something that's so cool that the hints are even exciting. But then when it just it just feels like you're 
prolonging something, it feels a little much. But I'm into the idea of of capture the night with K N I G H T. I think that's a cool title if that's the title. Definitely, I like that title too. Yeah. But you know, it's always just like it's just like a marketing guy somewhere, <laughs> like being like, you know what we should do? The kids like ARGs. We should put together a game. <laughs> Like yeah, you're not wrong. Together, like, you know, it's just a marketing person. Like the game, I'm sure will be fine. It has standalone, has nothing to do with any of this garbage. But you know, if if anything, like it'll start hitting the mainstream maybe a little bit more. Like I think people who are really tuned into gaming, we're more sensitive to it because we're just like, okay, I get it. Like you've been telling me for a while now, but you know, we're part of their ad campaign too because you know we we're the the first responders to all of it that's going to tell everybody else so right you know we're just patient zero on on it <laughs> totally, I, totally i think the difficulty though is like unchecked hype is part of it where like there have been leaks yes. and now there's speculation so it's like oh it's court of owls and there's gonna be ba- you're gonna be playable batgirl nightwing robin batman alfred alfred gets this you know and it's like you kind of spin this tail in your head and then the game comes out and it's like we're going back to arkham asylum and everybody's like lame <laughs> versus... Well, yeah, that's the that's the danger is is that if it comes out, it just feels like more of the same. It's it will feel like a letdown with all of the anticipation. Yeah, it's like it's a PS5 exclusive launch title, and, there, and then it comes out, and it's like on Xbox One and PS4. Uh, I guess uh, you know it's like it's it's yeah. really tricky to bounce to walk that line of of hype versus letting imagination run wild. I do like Jake's uh, comment though. Jeff is going to predict it will take forever to come out. It'll be bad. And then I'll end up loving it. <laughs> I mean, that is my MO these days, I guess, <laughs> having done that once with one game. But anyway. Um, never live it down. <laughs> never live it down. No. No one forgets, ever. Um, well, Christian, I'm glad your story of the week was uh, some intern posted a couple of gifts on the web. <laughs> my story of the week uh, is a very interesting interview that Microsoft's Matt Booty gave to mcv talking about xbox series x and xbox one and what the xbox game studios releases are going to look like over the first year of xbox series x traditionally get headlines on every gaming outlet over the next week based on pieces of your interview (laughs) yeah well yes but it is pretty noteworthy i think to traditionally when a new console comes out it's all about those exclusives, right? Those yeah. exclusive games that you can only play on the new box. That's why you have to grab it. That's why you got to get it. it. It does stuff that the old one doesn't do. It's more powerful. It's more exciting. There's new whiz-bang features. And the games that are in the quote-unquote launch lineup take advantage of it, show it off. And you can do stuff now that you've never done before. You can only play those if you get the new box, etc. Well, it sounds like Microsoft has got a new playbook and they're thinking of, I mean, I guess this is what they mean by Xbox Series X because they're thinking of the Xbox line as a continuum more along the lines of upgrading your PC where you expect to be able to play all of the new stuff, at least in the first year or two, according to Booty, play all of the stuff that comes out on all of your Xbox boxes all of your consoles the xbox all of your one. xboxes yeah i guess i should have just said that <laughs> the x suite <laughs> the x suite oh that's that's yep, that is rad yep. somebody should yeah, const- they can have it console they can have it. you that's, that's yeah yeah wait they can't have it <laughs> uh so yeah so he's straight up explicitly said 
quote, we want to make sure that if someone invests in Xbox, just the brand, between now and Series X, that they feel like they've made a good investment and that we're committed to them with content. As our content comes out over the next year, two years, all of our games, sort of like PC, even straight up says it, sort of like PC, will play up and down that family of devices. Which is pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Michelle, I'm curious what you think of this. Do you think this is a positive thing in ensuring that people that own Xbox Ones aren't going to be left in the cold when all the fancy new games come out? Or do you think this kind of devalues the new system and makes it seem less exciting to get a new Series X when it comes out? I don't know. I look at it like this. I think that if you've invested money and if you think about people who live in, you know, in the middle of this country or people who are on budgets and, you know, they drop a bunch of money on an Xbox one, um, you know, that to, to be able to have something upgraded so fast, it feels like you've wasted money. I do appreciate that they're taking care of the player base to, to make them feel like they're not like missing out just because they don't have the newest, shiniest thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool thing that they're doing, that they're not just kind of being dicks that, 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 you know, that they're like jerks to be like, Hey guys, we'll, you know, drop another six to, you know, $800 on this machine. Um, you know, I, I do think, I don't know. I I think they're going to have different issues in a way. You know, I appreciate the fact that they're taking care of their player base, but I think, you know, the, you know, this, the exclusives, like not having those in the same way might sort of hurt them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'd like that they're being inclusive, but PlayStation might just, you know, hammer them with PlayStation five. Yeah. I I kind of worry about that as well in the sense that, I can, what I can imagine is something like a, a Halo Infinite comes out or whatever other launch titles the Series X rolls with. I'm imagining a lot of the third-party big holiday releases will come out on Xbox Series X and Xbox One. And that it'll be the kind of thing where on Series X, ray tracing is enabled. On Series X, you can play it at 4K, 60 frames per second at... On Series X, there's no load times. And while all of those things are pretty compelling, I would hope that there would be even better stuff in the new games. And maybe maybe that's a good thing in the sense that they're talking about games coming out in the first year that weren't just ramped up at the last minute, weren't just pushed to the new system that really have been developed over a longer period of time and were being made for Xbox One and you can just add you know, shinier things to them. But I agree with you, Michelle, that it feels like that's not what Sony's doing. They're probably going to have some pretty impressive things uh, with, with their first parties. I'm assuming we don't know for sure, but uh, you know, it's it's an odd thing. And, And Christian, I'm old enough to remember when the first Xbox was released and they ran from the, it's only a PC description like it was the plague. There was, you know, oh, a, an American company is making a video game console. They're a software company that makes Windows, that makes operating systems. It has this a is hard just, drive on it. You have to yes. install your games. Right. Yeah. It has a hard, it's just a PC. And they were like, no, 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 no. Oh, no. That was like the worst thing you could say about a console is that it's just a PC. <sighs> now everybody embraces that. It's a PC. So what's your take on this? 
So part of me really loves the idea of that continuation, right? Like I like gaming on my PC after I rebuilt my PC and I think the games look great on it. Um, I think that's really cool. Phones have been kind of following this model for a while where, yeah, if you still have an iPhone 3G, you probably, you know, or an iPhone 4, I don't know where the cutoff is, but games will say runs on this device or not. But it's not as if you need to buy the 12 Pro to be able to play Apple Arcade, you know, or whatever it is. Um but the other side of, of the coin is um, a game I love. So I'll use Control as an example, where it's like that game is my favorite game of last year. If you're playing it on a base PS4, I think it's worth it. Still a good game. PS4 Pro, pretty great experience. PC, incredible. And so like or Red Dead Redemption 2, playing on a base Xbox One, still a beautiful game, still recommend it. But it's whatever it is, 900p scaling with some frame rate issues or whatever so like when you're designing a game if the regular xbox one is already struggling to play control to play uh red dead redemption 2 to play some of these you know current gen mid-cycle games or late cycle games what does that mean for halo infinite or whatever xbox series x game you want to pick and how optimized can it be for series x versus something that is designed for that console and that console only you know the the magic that sony pulls off with god of war and uncharted is that it is just designed for that box specifically and they manipulate every little thing and why ports are sometimes hard and like if these consoles have this super fast ssd and no load times or whatever then does gears six need to have um characters walking holding their ear talking as it's secretly loading like if you can design around that and games don't need a long elevator ride but they do on xbox one i i think it potentially creates problems so i'm very curious to see how it works and and how scalable these engines are and how you design games that truly show off the biggest baddest 12.4 teraflop thing and also cater to the weaker of the two base consoles. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if that translates into fewer units sold because people don't feel compelled to, to get into the, there's nothing that you can only play with this upgrade. But I also think that I wonder if he's, what he's really saying is it's the first two years or one year because games are expensive and there's just not going to be the install base to get the return on our investment that, you know, launch games are being sold to a much smaller pool than all the total people who own Xbox ones, plus the people that bought Xbox series X. And we just don't want to sell games to the smaller pool. Yeah. I, I do wonder if this quote or this conversation is taken out of context a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm a little apprehensive to see, you know, because like Destiny 1, right? That came out on PS3 and Xbox 360 and also came out on uh, Xbox One and PlayStation 4. And they were different SKUs. Um, what was it? Uh, Gun Gun was Xbox 360 and regular Xbox. Like there's been cross-generational games before uh, Black Flag, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. But they're different SKUs of games. Right. And this makes it seem like that's maybe not the case. Like future games will still work on your own hall old hardware or is this we're going to release a version of halo infinite for xbox one 
I'm, I'm, I yeah, don't have any is, more information, but I'm super that's curious. A really, that's a really great point because if it is like a PC, then you just go buy Halo Infinite and you put it into whatever box you put it into. And your computer renders it at whatever kind of capacity it has. Yeah. Like if it has a really good right. graphics card, then it's going to – and a better processor. I mean, yeah. I mean it makes more sense really to have have a machine be more – like that you know if you want to upgrade your graphics great and i think maybe that's because you know people understand that a bit better than they did maybe in like 2014 um yeah that everyone just yeah, maybe. sort of a little bit more used to having devices and what an upgrade to the software or hardware actually means and being able to control everything from their phone and i think people are just sort of more tech savvy than they were six years ago um Right. So maybe it's just sort of like a side effect of that and people saying, you know, we don't want to have to like buy, you know, buy a new machine all the time, but maybe they'll end up selling parts to upgrade it. Um, yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Uh, it may be a just fallout of the cell phoneification of all of our lives, you know, where, yeah, I get it. You know, I buy, I buy the, the iPhone 11 and you have the iPhone 8. We both can download the same things, but maybe mine handles them in a better way or runs them a little quicker or has quick, quicker loading. Everybody has that point of uh, experience. You know, they, they've all, they all understand that. I think that's an excellent yeah. point. And they can all run Apple Arcade, a.k.a. Uh, Game Pass, right? I right. mean, yeah. if that's the play, Xbox is, I have Xbox. Where do you have Xbox? On my PC. Wait, what? Yeah, that's my Xbox. My Xbox has a 2080 Ti, you know, or whatever it is. Does Microsoft care if they're getting my, I mean, currently it's like two pennies a month based on that deal. <laughs> but, you know, if they have your yeah. 15 bucks a month. Netflix doesn't care if, I know it's a little different analogy here, but they don't care if I'm running it on a 4K TV with HDR or if I'm running it on an iPad mini from 2007 or whatever, right? Like, And it just kind of makes you wonder care. at that point, like, how far it is from just being able to convert at any time from being like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to play on my console. Cause my buddies are over and it's like, you know, a four player game, like couch co-op to like, Oh, I'm just going to toggle it and switch over to my desktop really quick. So I can play it with my mouse and keyboard. I think that's the, that's the future that we're all headed toward really. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's convenient and, and useful for the end user. But does that mean they're looking to be completely, you know, competitive with something like Steam then, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably, I think the end, uh, yeah. I don't know this to be true, but it seems to me the end game for Microsoft is play it on whatever you want. As long as you're paying us that monthly fee, mm-hmm. we don't care. And we'll, we'll put our stuff and Xbox, like Christian was saying, Xbox as a brand is more about an experience than it is about a specific yeah. piece of hardware. Um, so, and I think that's kind of cool. I think that that is kind of an interesting future. And I, I, I could be down yeah. for that. Um, Definitely. Yeah. I mean, and you, you know, Michelle, you brought up uh, Overwatch a while ago and I, I, I'm thinking about games like Overwatch that are PC specific games. Nobody reviews Overwatch like, I remember, I mean, this is many years ago, but people would write tiered reviews of like, if you're playing it on this kind of PC, this Mm -hmm. is what you expect. And if you're playing it on this kind of PC, nobody does that anymore. Nobody assumes that 
you know, you don't say, oh, you know, Overwatch looks great unless you're playing it on, uh, you know. Yeah, these, these are the recommended graphic cards. This is the recommended right. everything if yeah. you want to be competitive, you know. Like, I think some of that's just, like, fueled yeah. by esports, you know, people who want to be playing at, like, the highest possible performance. Like, it's almost like people who, you know, get really into cars or something, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. Get the new CES, uh, 340 Hertz yeah. monitors, whatever that is. Just, Just get the Sony car. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this has ramifications for the industry. I don't know. Again, I, I think that some of this is maybe not taken out of context, but I think there's clarity that's to come perhaps in this interview, but I think there are ramifications for which way the industry goes. And, and this seems like a Nintendo's playing for a different yeah. audience kind of moment in the gaming industry yeah i'm kind of excited about that i think it's interesting it's a, it's a differentiator that i'm into so we'll, we'll see how it plays out i love everything nintendo's doing with switch like i love the switch and i think i, I don't know if we were going to talk about it but they were talking about maybe there being a switch pro this year yeah i was absolutely going to bring that up mostly to rub it in christian's no, face no. i i think i think i'm right my prediction was they're not going to do a switch two to chase mm-hmm. like a new console mm-hmm. upgrades mid-cycle new 3ds spice redomus is safe bro spice so christian is safe. so uh, michelle every year christian and i do predictions at the beginning of the year okay. which we just did like two weeks ago and every year it seems for the last two or three years christian has predicted a new switch will will come out this year uh which last year he was right because there was the the switch Light, light or whatever they yeah. call it. Yeah. And so this was the first year that he said, I don't think there'll be a new Switch this year. And then oh. literally two weeks later, rumors of Switch Pro. So Dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to pull it up. It's I meant new. They're not going to talk about their new console, not further revisions on their existing console. Switch Pro, I'm perfect. Perfect track record here, mm-hmm. Jeff. All right. All right. <laughs> anyway, the story is that uh, there is going to be a Switch Pro type model with um maybe a bigger screen potentially and maybe uh more processing power in the same way that there was a 3ds the new 3ds that came out that had a little more oomph and uh was able to you know sort of analog nubbin (laughs) or or like a (laughs) second a second nubbin a c-stick nubbin yeah so michelle you said you're you're into this you you want you want uh you want to upgrade your switch this year yeah definitely um i like the switch i mean i'm i'm into seeing like i think they're doing this my my guess i mean i don't know for a fact but my guess is that they're doing this mostly for you know more of a competitive scene um, mm. you know, cause they did just put like, you know, we were talking about a game like Overwatch, they put Overwatch on the switch, you know, yeah. I personally don't think it's like super playable, um, on there, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you know, like I, I like to see that they're, uh, upgrading their machine so it can handle more stuff. I mean, I can't believe people played Fortnite on there. Yeah. And you know, uh, doom and Wolfenstein. Crazy. I mean, some heavy, heavy you guys just games. listing games I bought. Is that what we're doing now? Yeah. <laughs> all the games that Christian Mortal Kombat so. 11 rocket yeah, league, uh. big, you know, big, uh, you know, pixel pushing games. I think, uh, uh-huh. probably will benefit a lot from a switch pro. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I like games like that too, that, you know, sometimes those bigger games, but you know, just taking them into a more personal setting, with the switch, like there's certain games that I like to play on the switch more. Um, like I've been enjoying the Witcher more actually on my switch. Um, I felt the same way about Skyrim. I liked it better on yeah. the switch just cause it felt 
I don't know, like a more intimate like game experience, especially if you like you're into the you know the lore and you know and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, I think if you're if you've been playing Witcher three, I can totally understand why you're excited about Switch Pro. Totally. <laughs> <You know? laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think regardless of how you feel about this, we can all agree that Christian is 100% wrong in his <laughs> Says the guy who predicted they'd be making new versions of Xbox games next generation to cover. What was our last story, Jeff? Go ahead. Oh, no, that I didn't. No, I didn't. Oh, no, you're just making <laughs> stuff up. Uh, all right. If only well, it was get... recorded somewhere. If only we had recorded it. <laughs> let's get to the games we've been playing and some of the other topics. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Health IQ. I like... I like this sponsor because it rewards people. We always talk at the beginning of the show about geeks and sneaks, people that take their health seriously and try to live healthy lives. I've always believed very strongly that video games and healthy living are not mutually exclusive. You know, for so many years, people looked at video gamers as unhealthy people, but we are not. We are not. And Health IQ understands that and they think that if you are the kind of person that gets good sleep at night eight hours of sleep at night or eat a quality plant-based diet or exercise uh during the week that you should be rewarded in very specific ways if you're talking about getting insurance then health iq which uses science and data and health information from you to secure lower rates for people who are healthy to get life insurance. So if you're a runner or a cyclist, even if if you do CrossFit like Christian does, or even if you just a weekend warrior, if you're living a healthy life and you're trying to do something, you can save up to 41% with Health IQ because physically active people have significantly lower risks for heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. And Health IQ is not just a lead generator. They take the customer through the entire process of applying, and the policy is underwritten by one of their top insurance partners. And the savings that they can provide are exclusive to Health IQ. You won't find them anywhere else. And you must qualify to get the special rate. So to see if you qualify, you go to healthiq.com slash DLC, take their proprietary Health IQ quiz. It's simple. And depending on your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you can save up to 41% on your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. Again, that's healthiq.com slash DLC. and lets them know that you heard about the show or heard about them from our show, which is very helpful to us. And then you can start the process with the Health IQ quiz. There's no commitment. And you'll learn even more about potential opportunities to be rewarded for your commitment to living healthy. One more time, that's healthiq.com dot com slash dlc h-e-a-l-t-h-i-q dot com slash d-l-c all right time to talk about some of the stuff that we have been playing michelle what you been playing? Well, I have been in a in a mad dash trying to finish Link's Awakening. I'm on like mm. the last dungeon, and I I just sort of shelved it while I had been traveling, and I got it. I was like, I got to finish it. So I've been trying to finish that, and uh, I also um, popped in another game I got for for the holidays from a friend. It's called Another Sight. It's a Nintendo game that's uh, a Switch game. Well, it's an indie. Um, It's about a blind girl. She loses her sight and she meets a cat 
and they go on a fantasy adventure to meet historical icons. So amazing. Yeah, I'm very excited about so, it. So this is the first time I'm hearing of another site. What, what kind of game is it? Is it like a adventure game? Yeah. Are you, uh, is there combat? Yeah. What, what kind of game like is it? It's like a fantasy adventure game. Um, it's got some puzzles and some stuff to figure out. I mean, I'm only like, I'm barely, I just popped it in just like a couple nights mm. ago. And um, yeah, it's awesome. It's just a little, little indie sort of platformer nice. sort of game. Yeah, it's available also on Steam. Looks like it's uh, 20 bucks. Uh, so, surreal fantasy adventure with steampunk elements set in London in 1899. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, London. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's cool. I, I um, you're you're trying to find something to do with her father and why she suddenly lost her sight. So, um, I'm I'm interested to play more of it though. I'm, I'm I don't know. It's hard because I'm I also have The Witcher going. So <laughs> I, I'm one of those people who have several games going at once. You know, yeah. and like and then I pop in for that competitive itch for you know with Overwatch. I'm terrible. I play a, a lot all at once. No, that's the opposite of terrible. That's what we like here on DLC. <laughs> uh, so The Witcher, did you did you start that up because of the TV show or were you already playing? I played the old ones, you know, and I, I played the second one too. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it'd been a while. I think when did the, the the, the Witcher came out maybe 2014, 2015, something like uh, that. Three came out. Yeah, it was like 2016, I think. Yeah, it was right. it, it, just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I played that when it first came out. I don't think I finished it. Um, but when I started playing it on Switch, I just like the experience better. Yeah. Because I can just like go and I can, you know, sit on the couch or then I can move, you know, into my office or whatever. I can move around with it, which I like. It's so cool that there's this resurgence of The Witcher 3 because, it, you know, it was a big game when it was released. It was um, very popular and awesome and came had DLC and people were into it. And now it seems to be back even bigger. We were talking last week about the Steam concurrent play numbers are just – are even better than when it launched. All because uh, people are watching the TV show and going like, man, yeah, that was a great game. I want to go back and play. I wonder some what the. I wonder what the. And I don't know if you guys know this. I wonder what the numbers are comparatively uh, for like the Switch versus the other platforms where it saw its resurgence. Yeah. Is it seeing it on the Switch specifically? Well, the the news story it did that we just were come out on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that probably has an impact as well. The the numbers that we were talking about were specifically for Steam. So I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. what the sales numbers were for for uh, Switch, but I would assume it is. You know, it's all part of that. It back in the zeitgeist, back you know, people wanting to play it because of the the show. Did you watch the show at all? Well, that was the thing is I wanted to start playing again um, to refresh myself before I jumped into the show. Yeah, I yeah. felt like I just wanted to just kind of like get into it a little bit and then and then restart it. But you know, like my sister, her kids have a Switch. But because she's on the store looking for games to buy, she's like, oh, wait, this looks good. Maybe I'll buy this one for me. Mm. You know, so for her, it's because it, she knows that there's a TV show and it's all sort of like easier for her to buy and be right. introduced to. That's cool. And mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about Link's Awakening because uh, yeah. it's a game that Christian and I both really dig. I love uh, it. Yeah. Isn't it great? It, I love I love the look and feel of that claymation it's world. so cute. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just – and it's still it, – a fun game. It's challenging. Um, I, I like the dungeons quite a bit. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't recall playing the game when I was younger. I mean, I played a little bit of it when I was younger, but I mean, I was so much younger um, to remember it. So right. I really like this, um, this whole experience of it. it it's awesome. Were you, it's did you nostalgic. play um, uh, Breath of the Wild? 
I did, and I'm I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was um, I thought it was boring. I thought it was too big. I hated the cooking. I I, I just <laughs> I felt I was just sort of like, and you know, like what am I doing? Like where is the where are these recipes? Why do I care? Um, I don't know. I just didn't care, and I, I I usually care about Zelda games, or you know, and I just I just didn't. <laughs> I, I bounced off of it a little bit myself and uh, got a lot of heat for it. But, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm i glad that Nintendo hasn't abandoned the old style of, of Zelda games. I, I like that they put so much effort and care into this old version of the game. And I, I think they can still have this sort of two-pronged approach of, you know, obviously we're going to get a Breath of the Wild too, but that they can continue to make the top-down Zeldas and experiment with with new games even in that old style of you know going to a dungeon and completing the dungeon and getting a new thing and then going to the next dungeon which breath of the wild basically eschewed you know so i I hope they continue both paths i agree yeah i agree with you christian spicer what is on your playlist well, one thing I want to start with is I think we talked about it I don't know, last week or two weeks ago, fairly recently, when I was like, when is Ray Tracing going to come to Wolfenstein Youngblood? It was one of the games that I got free with my 2070 Super. Um, it also came with a code for Control, which I had already had. Um, so I got a review code for that game. But I was waiting for this patch. It came out. It came out last week. And it is absolutely incredible unbelievable i think i texted you as i was playing it um it's another game that has a lot of beautiful glass and tile work and marble and so the reflections in that and like flames for weapons there was a mission i was in where i was in a prison and an enemy came out with the flamethrower and there's a bunch of glass around me and the, the floor was like enamel or, or laminate or something like that enamel it was made of teeth um <laughs> uh, and, and just just stunning like i'm pretty sure i died uh, or needed to get a pep from my sister in order to maintain my my, my mission because I was just looking at the ray tracing. My nit for the ray tracing is that, at least for me, I can't speak that this is how it's designed, but to turn it off, you have to restart the game. To turn it on, you have to restart the game. So I couldn't do that thing where I stood in front of, like, stood in a bus and was like, ray tracing on, ray tracing on, ray tracing on, or ray tracing off. Um, but I didn't need to turn it off to make sure it was working like you talked about in <laughs> in Metro. Yeah. Um, Absolutely stunning. I don't think it's worth buying Wolfenstein Youngblood, you know, just for ray tracing. But if you have it, haven't played the game in a while, definitely update uh, update the game and check it out if you have a ray tracing capable card because I think it is absolutely stunning. Also, I, we didn't mention, I guess, the other thing out of CES I thought was interesting is um, NVIDIA, you can frame cap now in um, was the GeForce control panel, which I think is pretty cool for you and I both have high refresh rate monitors and to cap it at you know just one below the refresh rate is is interesting something that wasn't ever officially supported before in um that g4 software i think it was pretty cool is it just me or did the first round of ray tracing patches not impress and now it's like they figured it out i I mean clearly i don't know anything about anything but it feels like the ray tracing now the even games that didn't launch with it but patched with it are it's much more impressive than the first few like Tomb Raider and Metro to me. I was like, Oh no, this might not be the future. And now with control and, and as you talk about Youngblood and some of the other ray tracing games that are coming out, it just feels I'm sold. I'm 
I'm very excited. I think the key is glass. I, I, I thought Metro it looked pretty good. I think for me, the difference was Metro with it off maybe seemed more atmospheric because light could only come in through one creepy corridor. And then I turned it on and I was like, oh, this hollowed out shack is much, much brighter. And it's like, well, yeah, because this is wet wood, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is, or just kind of changed the dynamic of the game a little bit. But yes, glass and shiny. Op- what I hope is we don't live in like a go like full JJ or something, right? Like everything is lens flaring because it's so bright because of ray tracing right? something like that. But yes, Wolfenstein and Control, like they're definitely, I think our developers or NVIDIA's, you know, fine tuning that and some are more impressive than others for sure. Yeah. Well, it's glad I'm glad to hear that Youngblood uh, wows in that, but never, you never stare at the flamethrower. That's, that's rule one. Never walk. It's so bright. What is that? Bugs life. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's beautiful. Then I've been playing more Witcher three on PC as well. Um, Henry Cavill character patch. Um, Fun, but distracting. (laughs) Very well done. Very well done. If you're modding. And then the one other short game that I have it on uh, several copies, but I was a sucker for the Nintendo Switch eShop sale, Virtual Racing, uh, the Sega Ages port of Virtual Racing on Switch. Mm. Holy crap. What a beautiful port of this game. Um, I have it on Sega. Uh, what, do, what do I have it on? Saturn. And then I also have it on Genesis when I got my Mega SG. The Genesis version is pretty much, I mean, technologically impressive but like super unplayable um this switch version it it looks great it runs so smooth uh, it's absolutely incredible i i had some coins and then i think was on sale for five bucks i ended up paying like 150 for it but if you are a fan of virtual racing it is the bare bones version just the three tracks one car um but unbelievable i think you could make a game that looks like that now like with that as an aesthetic choice of like an art direction and people would be blown away by it. It just looks so crisp. It's an incredible port. Uh, I absolutely love that game. And then the game that I finished, I also ended up buying it on sale on the eShop where I started it on Apple arcade and then kept not playing it. Cause I wanted to play it like with a controller and I wanted to play it like with real headphones on or with sound from my TV and not just like tinny sound out of my iPhone is I, I bought and now I've finished Sayonara Wild Hearts. Did mm. either of you play this game? No, but it was it, people were talking about it as game of the year kind of contender at the end of last year. I, I did play that. it. It's awesome. It's so good. And I'm so glad I, I did wait. Like I wish I had just not been lazy and played it with good headphones and a controller when it was, you know, part of my Apple, Apple Arcade subscription. But it is, Jeff, it is the closest except for maybe like Tetris effect, which is the same, you know, whatever lineage, the closest thing to res that I've played huh. since red, like there is a level that is just res, you know, like it is wow, absolutely stunning. I don't, maybe Michelle, you can praise it for a little while too. Cause I've been talking for a bit, but I loved it. Oh no, it's fine. Um, like, I mean, that's, it has all like the tarot card stuff too in it. Right. Like, yes, it's so cool. It, I don't know. It's just, it's the soundtrack is really nice. Like um, it's just sort of, I guess like a, a runner, I would suppose in a way, right? So you're kind of just going through those different um, like tunnels and yeah. like having to catch, think of it like, think of it like Sonic catching a bunch of like rings, except for it's like in this hyperspace, like wire frame, um, Tron-esque, but not as like, 
uh, leaning into that as much and a little bit more esoteric-ish because it's like they're flying through like space and constellations and tarot cards and I don't know. Hmm. It, it's it's really beautiful and cool and arty and when you're playing it, you just sort of like feel like you're zoning in and going into a tunnel. Apple Arcade actually has a lot of really great little games on there. Yeah, it does. It, it really does. In this game, if you have Apple Arcade, do set up the time, take the time to get a good, good headphones and listen to it because the soundtrack is incredible. It's not a long game, Jeff, but it, in uh, Darth uh, Tithus says it throws away more good ideas than most games have in their entirety. It, I mean, there's a level that feels like it's inspired by Outrun, um, and it's not easy per se. Like there are walls and there are fail states, but then you just kind of go back, you know. 20 seconds or whatever and and pick up right where you were and then there's like s ranks basically like how well you do to get through levels in terms of replayability but it is one of the most enjoyable experiences you know i'll say in the last four months so it's not just 2020 but what a beautiful experience to sit down and play through and i played it almost all in one sitting um did you really i haven't finished it no it's yeah it's exquisite it's so I, and the story's interesting and, and heartwarming and compelling. And, and, and you played it on Switch? Yeah. I played it on Switch because it was when I was buying Virtual Racing, it was also on sale for. I just know, downloaded bucks. it on Switch. I'm, I'm actually, I should play that. Okay. Yeah. I'll play that. Highly, <laughs> highly recommended. They say, chat's saying it's 90 minutes long. I, it took me a little longer than that, I think. Um, but, and, and I've since gone and replayed some levels. It's, it's incredible. All right. It's absolutely incredible. You sold me too. Downloading it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, sir. No, <laughs> Two more. But copies. play it with play it with headphones or you know docked. Yeah, um, yeah. The music's great. It's beautiful. I, I, my really my only nit with it is that I wish, yeah, some of the levels were longer. I wish it did things more. Like the there's a like the res level and the outrun level. Um, it, yeah, it's it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Wow, impressive. Very cool, man. Uh, would you think it would, have ma- it would have made your list harder at the end of the year if you'd played it earlier? No, I think it would have been like a short hike. Yeah. You know, like yeah. an, another mention where I think people, I'm glad I'm talking about it now and I'm glad other people were talking about it. But, you know, I stand by my yeah. my top five, at least for one more week. <laughs> That's good. Um, well, I'm still playing Control. We talked a lot about that last week. At some point, we'll have to do a spoilery talk, you and I. I know you did it when yes, I was please. out with somebody else, but um, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, speaking of lists. Uh, Upgrades? Fine, Jeff. Let's hear your rant about I'm just no, the, the Our top five of the decade list, which we did last week, um, we asked the listeners to post their top five lists in uh, a thread on our subreddit. And people did, and it is an awesome read. I highly recommend you check it out over at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. The thread is called Games of the Decade Thread, which, you know, I guess I didn't need to tell you. What is that about? Figure that out pretty clearly. But uh, lots of people giving really solid lists. There are some trends that I thought were interesting. Uh, a lot of people We're both idiots for not picking Witcher three. We praise it for a whole episode and then don't pick yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> Witcher three for me was was really close to making my top five. As as a list of five, it's really hard to do of the decade. You know, we, most people do ten. We we do five. Uh, and I wanted to have a slot on my list that was a role playing game. I just felt Skyrim had to edge out Witcher three for me, but Witcher three is. I mean, I'm 
deserves to be in the conversation for sure. And there were a ton of people who put Wisher three on their top five of the year list. Uh, of course, lots of uh, GTA five and mass effect two, which neither of us put on our lists. Um, oh, yeah. It came out in 2010. Yeah. 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 That's, that's one of those ones. I think it was Mario galaxy two, which I think did make my list is another one of those where like the first galaxy didn't, but the second one did. It's like, yeah, there was some 2010 by itself was a pretty banging year. I was I was also surprised to see a game that is uh, in my heart, but I don't th- I didn't think a lot of people had it so high on their list. Titanfall two made a lot of people's top five or several people's top Weird. five, which is a great <laughs> game. I love that game. Do you not like I mean, that game? I mean, I I think it's a fine game, but like to say top five of the decade, that's I, I'm I'm surprised. Yeah. Okay, Michelle, go. One through five. One through five, <laughs> go. Oh, my God. Well, Yeah, we didn't, we didn't give you any warning on that. <laughs> You're going to trash talk Titanfall 2? Go. Mean, one through five. I mean, my one through five is just Titanfall 2, guys. Like, I just, like, <laughs> yeah, they just spoiled my whole thing. That's why I'm mad. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Um, several people put Overwatch on the list, which I'm assuming you would probably put on your list. I would. I mean, like, look, I'm, I've spent so much of, of – my last decade with blizzard that uh you know i was there when the you know i was part of the announcement for overwatch in the beginning in like 2014 so yeah for me like it's been um it's been a huge game and watching how it sort of um elevated esports and sort of put all esports in context i guess um in in an American way, I think like people to really understand esports um, on this continent. So I think yeah. that uh, Overwatch helped push that over the edge, along with like Street Fighter Five, probably really helps that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say Overwatch. Um, I would put Hearthstone on there for sure. Mm, um, yeah, you know, especially because I mean, Hearthstone is. I mean, you can play it at anywhere. I mean, it was brilliant the way that you know it. it it was a mobile game and it became like one of the biggest esports in the world. And it just had a, yeah. you know, the first female winner um, at BlizzCon. I mean, they've never had a female yeah. winner ever. Blizzard that has the granddaddy of esports with, with, you know, Starcraft um, has never had a female winner outside of, you know, uh, Scarlet, of course, um, at the Olympics, you know, they did that Olympics thing, but it wasn't like a yeah. world you know, a WCS grade championship, you know? So like, I'd say Hearthstone is, is, is pretty big. Um, For sure. Yeah. And it, it also Hearthstone, I think made single-handedly made digital collectible card games happen, you know, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it seemed like- oh, yeah. I mean, the look at that League of Legends one coming out, um, you know, like the League one coming out is definitely based off of where, you know, patterned where Hearthstone came from. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I think I think Magic the Gathering, while, you know, a huge success over the last 20 years, uh, you know, as a physical thing, didn't really gain as much traction until after. Hearthstone came out from a digital perspective. I think Hearthstone kind of Well, they were really trying at all the conventions, right? Like every PAX, they'd have like a big Magic the Gathering thing. And like, you know, they'd get celebrities to play. And you'd see like Will Wheaton playing or like Bob Akfordowski playing. And like, you know, there'd be, or Mikey Newman from like Gearbox. You'd see, you know, they'd get like a bunch of really cool events going at the, at the conventions. And they did make an app. Um, I used to have a, like an app review show, (laughs) like a long time ago. And they used to have a, 
um, like an iPad app and it was, it sucked, you know, like they were trying to do it and, you know, it just was slow and clunky and stuff, but Hearthstone just came out and, you know, gave the pattern for everyone, I guess, like Gwent and there's been all sorts of, um, you know, battlers now because of it. Yeah. It became, it really became a a genre that everybody wanted in on. And uh, yeah, so I think that's a a fine inclusion into a a top five of the decade. But outside of like, you know, Blizzard, I would definitely (laughs) say God of War. Yeah. Um, That was my number one. Definitely. Yeah. That was, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. That that game was incredible. As far as I'm concerned, a near perfect design. It is, it's just everything works exactly as you expect it to. It's big and meaty and interesting and the story's great and the world is compelling. Yeah. I love it. It's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. There'd be like times where I'd be playing and I would just yell at the TV. You're perfect. <laughs> You're beautiful. I love you. Yeah. It, was yeah. it was good stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, anyway, it's a very interesting Reddit thread. I would love uh, for people to continue posting their top fives if you want. I Oh, somebody said um, Journey. That's a cool pick. Yeah, yeah. Journey is good pick. I'm looking game. at it now. This is this this is a really cool thread. I'm also surprised a couple people put Subnautica, which is a game I love very very much, um, on their top. Five. I don't think I would put it in my top five of the decade, but it certainly is a game I love. Uh, and lots of Breath of the Wilds, of course. Warframe makes an appearance, um, which is uh, I think a really interesting game of the decade that has just proven how things can evolve. Uh, in, in one over many many years in one title which is a pretty wild thing i think i think warframe has done it better than almost anybody as far as reinventing itself continuing to refine and add um it's an extraordinary game in that respect and a lot of people put bioshock infinite which is kind of surprising to me as well um, i actually liked infinite I, I did too. Cool game. I did too i thought the first half is much stronger than the second I agree. half but uh, i agree i agree it's a good game uh, anyway, really cool. A lot of people putting a lot of thought and explanation into their lists in this thread too. So, uh, thank you all for, uh, taking that ball and running with it. It's fascinating to see what you all thought. Uh, Christian, any, uh, last words about the thread? No, it's great. And I hope people do keep contributing to it, but please know that by writing it down, you are locking that as your answer. It's final. You cannot change it. It'll be put on your <laughs> tombstone, no matter how games age. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are now locked in like like we are with our predictions. You're right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I do most of this time I spent gaming this week was in VR, so I do want to do a quick VR segment. So let's jump into that. So one of the surprise hits on VR on steam that has, it's been selling like gangbusters. It has been one of the top steam uh, played games uh, over the last couple of months is a game called Boneworks, which I have been playing this week as well. And as we all, or at least I anticipate and wait with bated breath for the half-life Alex game. I feel like this is some, developers who aren't valve deciding hey we could basically make a half-life universe or portal universe type game that's big and interesting and has a story and does all the things that we would want in a virtual reality kind of that universe it's pretty awesome boneworks uh, maybe the best 
tutorial of any game I've ever played. Really? The tutorial is long and interesting. Basically, you begin the game. There's a big, long story mode. Uh, and But you begin the game in this museum. And it's a museum built by the company around which the story revolves. And it's a, a company that is pioneering virtual worlds. And you go from room to room in this museum. And each room kind of teaches you a new concept that's going to be in the game. But also each room is basically a playpen for VR. So there's all kinds of objects that you can mess around with, baseball bats and balls and things to shatter and break and, you know, planks to rip apart and glass and, you know, all kinds of stuff, stuff to set on fire, stuff to mess with. And that these each of these has a little display that you can push a button and a little TV will will play you an explanation of a next the next thing how your inventory works how weapons work how all this stuff and then there's puzzles this game has lots of puzzles in it and these puzzles are a combination of figuring stuff out and accomplishing the dexterity required to get through there's jumping and climbing and scurrying over things and figuring stuff out and messing with gravity and basically everything it's it's everything it's a just a giant playpen for vr ideas and it's so much fun just the tutorial but then you get into the game and now you've got enemies that are super creepy they're these like mindless zombie type things but they have this patchwork shell over them that looks like blood vessels all uh, intermingling over them. They have to bash through in order to, to defeat them. Um, and, and there's so much physics at play and all kinds of uh, emergent gameplay ideas that you can, you know, all kinds of ways to get past any obstacle that aren't just blasting it. Um, it it's a really clever, well-made long deep experience. Like it's a, it's a full game that feels like it's it's been well thought out, has tons to it. Visually, it's not the most impressive VR game, but it's certainly serviceable and it's got a lot, you know, it's it's it you you know, you understand what everything is. It's not doesn't look bad, but I was very impressed with Boneworks and I'm still playing it. It is really fun. It it's really clever. It's got a lot of great ideas and and how they express those ideas clearly has been well thought through. Um I'm into Boneworks. Cool. I'm looking at it right now on Steam. Mike Diva's in this? Yes. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and it's been in production and in, in development for quite a long time. Um, people oh, have been cool. anticipating it for a long time. And it, it's doing really, really well. It's got, uh, you know. Good reviews. Really good reviews. People love it. I'm really digging it. it the The way the weapons all work, it's 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 got another layer of detail as far as when you shoot something, when you shoot a, a, a gun, you have to, you know, I don't know anything about guns, but you have to slide pieces and move certain things and unlocks, you know, you physically put the, the clip in and then go, you know, even on stuff that's not a shotgun, you have to, you know, slide the, whatchamacallit into the, who's a, what's this, you know, I don't know. I don't know anything about guns clearly, but it's, <laughs> it's cool because it's physical. And since you're in VR using touch controllers, you know, if you're just playing it on your PC. Yeah, it looks or... really cool. It's saying like there's, you know, little Easter eggs everywhere too. Like no, like names of notebooks or like you can pick a, up a bag of endurance nuts. Or yes. Or a, a book titled Texturing for Morons. Yeah, it's got a, a, a great sense of humor to it. It um, 
lots of details. It feels like a labor of love, this game. And I question. Yeah. How is like, so like I'm seeing here that there's like combat. How is the combat? It's like sometimes in VR, right? Doing it uh, can feel a little bit like, whoa, this is physical on my body. (laughs) Like I'm doing a lot. Like sometimes it can be, you know, uh, stress inducing. Like how, how fast are these guys coming at you? Uh, they're not coming at you super fast, but also you, you have a lot of options. Uh, you know, you can shoot them. You can do more physical things like there's swords and hammers and stuff. And everything is is realistic physics. So a a sword actually behaves differently than a big sledgehammer. A sledgehammer is actually heavier and harder to wield physically. It's not just like it takes a better stat or something. You literally – it's more difficult. You have to use two hands. It's weighted differently. You have to get momentum to swing it. And you feel that because you're actually doing all of it with your own body. You know, you're not just pushing a button to do it. Um, Yeah. It's all very, very well done. And like I said, I'm constantly like thinking of wacky things to do and then doing them. And there's a lot of just shooting as well, but you know, it's a, it's a, there's jumping, there's, it's just a big, world of VR experimentation. And I think that's, what's most exciting to me about it. Very cool. I'll check, I'll check that out. Well, I yeah. don't know actually what, what system is this on? Uh, it's on steam. So anything that supports steam VR, you know, even, you know, Oculus quest link would work if you're linked or. I have a rift. Yeah. Your rift should work fine. Yeah. If you, I, have to, choose, I have uh, to plug it in. Well, well, that part you definitely do have to plug it in. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work unless it's plugged. I know, in. Right? I need to plug it in. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I highly recommend it, and I'm I'm still working through it, but it's it's cool. Okay. Bone works. All right. All right, um, Christian. Any uh, any VR that you played over the holiday or no? Nothing new. Um... Nothing new. I've I've tinkered with my link more. It still works great for me. I know some people are yeah. having problems, and that, that some people being me. I was going to let you just skate with that. I didn't. You didn't have to bring it up, but uh, yeah, it's, I know. I know what you were insinuating. I was just going to let our audience know that just because I talk about it working so well, if they are having problems, I empathize. I don't know. Mine is literally just plug and play, but no, no new games yet. I've really been enjoying going through um, older games and, you know, reseeing them on link. And then honestly, I'd be lying if I just said it wasn't racket NX and beat saber. Like that's all of yeah, my man. time. Beat saber is just the perfect VR app. Did you see feet saber? Are you going to play feet saber and make a video? I of did it? see feet <laughs> saber. Somebody uh, hooked up uh, the beat saber controllers to their feet and we're doing it with their feet. God, that's so funny. <laughs> Oh <laughs> so it's a, it's a whole new kind of workout. I would love to see that <laughs> at a party for sure. Right. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I'm going to suggest it. <laughs> yeah. You guys want to play some feet saber? Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, my, uh, my understanding is that I need to get a new motherboard. So oh, no. I, to get my Oculus link to work. Oh, sure. Is this what you told your wife? Oh, babe, I, I got the $80 I, cable, but uh, <laughs> let me yeah, see. What else? $80 cable is going to cost you an extra 400 bucks to get a new awesome motherboard. That's uh, just, For me too, it's the same thing. I need to add another uh, bedroom and bathroom to my house and then <laughs> it will work just fine. But <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so it's very frustrating to me. I don't even need, I have the Rift too, but I just want the the <laughs> quest to work through Link because it's supposed to work. Yeah. Now it's my quest for quest. Oh. I'm on my own quest. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
All right. Well, we can wrap the show up now. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Michelle Morrow, thank you so much for being here. It's been so much fun chatting Thanks so with you. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. That was, that was a good time. Absolutely. Um, where can people keep up with you and your goings on online? Oh, they can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Michelle Morrow, and Michelle is with one L. Yeah, awesome. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? If you're listening to this early enough in LA, I will be at the Comedy Store, I believe it's 8 p.m. Monday night, um, doing a set there then if you're in LA. Um, also, um, it's been a long time coming and it's still not out yet, but we are making something that I've been very much been working on for a very long time. This is an annoying tease, but uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday are shoot days, and hopefully everything else goes well and you will see something very cool down the line but that is the, that is my main focus this week sorry actually i love work. cool things yeah yeah i like cool stuff let, let, let me i don't want to tease it too much but uh it involves sabers and feet no i'm, just <laughs> <laughs> I'm remaking the rise of skywalker but all lightsabers are on people's feet oh god <laughs> oh i like it <laughs> but that's that's my week jeff what about you putting the walking in skywalker <laughs> um that's way better than mine oh <laughs> Um, I can be followed on Twitter at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I also have a movie and television review show that you can listen to when we talk about movies and TV shows. It's called the Slash Filmcast. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. I think this week we're talking about 1917, which is just a gobsmacking movie. It is un- unbelievably good. So it'll be a fun conversation. I suspect and uh, i also do the dungeon run which man a uh, great episode last week it, it is something i'm extremely pr- proud of it is our live play dungeons and dragons show where i'm the dungeon master making up this cool story and the players are playing through it uh it is epic game of thrones style storytelling but done episodically improvised week to week Uh, And we're super proud of it. We shoot it. It's not just a live stream. We shoot it like a television show. We have an animatronic puppet. Give us a shot. Check it out over on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah, it's a blast. Um, You can check it out on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run or as an audio podcast. It actually works really well as an audio show as well. It it kind of feels like an audio book by searching for The Dungeon Run anywhere you get audio podcasts. Or you can listen to us, watch us live on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. All right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Michelle Morrow, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Um, well, sure, sure. <laughs> um, I would say um, I, I got this book. Um, I don't know if anyone listens to Jeff Buckley, um, but it would mm, be the sure. 25 uh, year um, of grace. Um, and so they just put out a book that um, is all of his old journals and um, songwriting notebooks and stories. Um, you know, he had an untimely death at like 27. But if you're unfamiliar with his music and don't know who Jeff Buckley is, um, he has amazing music and, and just sort of reading. Um, he, he'll, he'll help you get through pretty much anything, I would say. So check him out. Yeah. Wow. Cool. 
That's awesome. Uh, Christian Spicer, how about you? What's your parting gift? Yeah, Jeff Buckley. I, I remember where I was um, when my friends and I had that. We started to call each other. Um, I think MTV News broke the news. Um, oh, my God. And Grace is an, an amazing album. And there's some good stuff on my sketches yeah. uh, uh, as well. Very incomplete, but some some brilliant stuff that we never got to see finished, unfortunately. Um, one, I'll just say uh, thank you. Positive stuff is helpful. I appreciate uh, people there. Other reports are things are good. Sorry I'm being vague again, but not necessarily um, my thing to tell. But thank you to those that sent positive thoughts uh, last week. And you've mentioned it already, but I'm, I'm just going to, you know, a movie I know you hated, Jeff, 1917. It's phenomenal. I'd recommend seeing it on the smallest screen possible with no <laughs> no sound. Um, How, you dare you? How dare you? <laughs> if you can. It's, it is uh, stunning um, witchcraft filmmaking. Um, just absolutely amazing what uh, uh, Sam Mendes and uh, what what's his DP's name? Um, Roger Deakins. Yes. And, ev- and everyone on that cast. It, it is... Uh, it's witch, it's witchcraft. It's the God of War 2018 of movies. Absolutely. It really is. And, and and I think it's it's a, a nefarious plan to make you go see the movie twice because the first time you watch it, you'll just be like, how are they doing this? And then you go, I got to go see that again just to understand what happened in the story because I was the whole time I was just going, how is this possible? Really? I just – let myself yes. watch the movie and then I came home late at night and was like, uh, 1917 BTS, like all, yeah. <laughs> watching everything. I was consuming I everything it. about we were, the, the digital witchcraft. It it's phenomenal. Yeah, I hope you have a, you know, I have a nice big mm-hmm. screen, big screen, big it sound. It is a, it is a visual feast. Yeah. I'm just going to, I want to like tag on to that 1917, just because you were talking about movies. And I want to also suggest kindly um, that everyone watch Jojo Rabbit because I watched that a couple nights ago and it's awesome. It's so good. It's so funny. I think it is comedy at its its best. It's that good. It's so good. Yeah. I I really love it too. It's, it's such perfect satire. Um, You know, it's... (laughs) It skewers its subject. It makes you laugh. It makes you think. It's yeah. Taika Waititi is just—he's just a a gem of a person. Yeah. I have a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This was sent to us from Paul McDonald. Paul says, I've been listening for years, starting with the weekend confirmed. And I love you guys. Keep up the good work. I thought I'd submit a parting gift of my own. If you're a fan of Marvel Comics and you haven't already, you really owe it to yourself to check out Marvel Unlimited. My wife bought me a subscription. Seconded. Thirded. My wife bought me a subscription to Marvel Unlimited for my birthday this year, and I'm loving it. They have over 25,000 comics available and more added all the time. And as you browse through all the titles available, you'll wish you had more hours in the day. I already do that. For me, the thing that's most fun is to go back and read lots of old books that I never got around to. I've always been a particular fan of the X-Men, so I've decided to go back and start in the Chris Claremont era. Yeah, that was my jam. X-Men 94 from 1975, starting with the new team that formed in giant size X-Men. The writing style was very different then, which is kind of funny, but this is such a quintessential period with some classic X-Men stories. I'm having so much fun. And did I mention that Marvel Unlimited also includes a ton of Star Wars comics, including all the stuff from the Dark Horse era? There's so much here. If you're looking for the newest current comics, Marvel Unlimited might not be for you since they 
add them to the service a few months after they've been published. But if you're at all interested in having a huge back catalog of comics from your favorite characters at your fingertips on your phone or tablet, check it out. For $7 a month, even cheaper if you pay for a year, it's an awesome deal. Very cool. Thank you, Paul. I know, Christian, you're a current subscriber, right? Many-year subscriber, yeah. And if you want to know what uh, Star Wars stories could have been post-Jedi, there was a whole host of them they could have cribbed from. They did a thing. Did a thing. And they were pretty darn good. They were pretty good. Those comics were very interesting. Also, uh, Vision is there that entire run of like, uh, I, I imagine it's what WandaVision is taking uh, inspiration from, I guess. Just yeah. heartbreaking story, really well done. Um, go read all the Miles Morales, uh, various versions of that Spider-Man. And you, there's a bunch of great Spider-Gwen. Um, I don't know if Ghost Spider, since they've kind of rebranded her uh, or used her actual name, um, are on there yet or not. But a lot of great Spider-Gwen and then um, if you haven't, because they've treated them so oddly over the years, go dig up the um, Fantastic Four books. There's so many good Fantastic Four books, oh, yeah. and they're all old. Um, yeah. My favorite run is the Walt Simonson yes. run of Fantastic Four, which is exactly what I wanted from that, which I hope that they make into a movie. That that kind of like crazy, cosmic, uh, inventor wildness. Um, and the art – when I was a kid – all I wanted out of life was to be able to draw like Walt Simonson. Yes. His, his, that sort of abstraction that he does. It's not the most detailed art, but it is so perfect. I used to spend hours practicing drawing the thing, the way he drew the thing <laughs> with that one, one big brow, just a big block brow. Oh, man, loved it. Yeah, there's great stuff there. And then when you read those old X-Men, you have to sing the Fox cartoon theme song in your head, even though it's not the same story. You, go, you know, you have to hum it as you read it. It makes it better. It makes it better? Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Uh, well, I was planning to do a, uh, a parting gift. And then literally as we were talking, I got a text from my friend who said, do you still do parting gifts on DLC? If so, consider this text, me writing and telling people not to sleep on barcades. Such a good time. They so are. They are. I feel like it's my duty. Uh, we went uh, this weekend. This friend of mine uh, had a birthday and we went to a barcade. Uh, the 1982 Barcade in L.A., which was a, a blast. Even crazier was how packed it was mm-hmm. with young people, mm-hmm. he said, sounding like an old. But, you know, I'm standing around there going, oh, man, this is all these these arcades are like, you know, they're all in the you know mid to late 90s. And it's my youth is my high school. You know, it's like where. I like I played all these. I went put quarters up and played Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat and X-Men and Simpsons and all those things. I you know that's what I would do. That's my my favorite thing. And I'm standing around with all these, you know, 20 somethings. I'm like, "You this is these are new to you. These are not this is no nostalgia happening here. This is you doing so, this is like me buying vinyl, you know? I didn't actually grow up with vinyl. I just my dad did, but yeah. I like it now because it's cool and hip, but um, good food, good drinks, good times, good friends, ice cold beer. Do they, they have ice cold beer at the uh, at eighty? Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you reminded me of that, dude. I was going to tell you this tomorrow when I went into work, but Christian, you, uh, first of all, Michelle, do you know what ice cold beer is? 
like the actual beer? Actual no, beer? no, I know it's something. No, there's a there's an old stand up arcade cabinet. It's like pinball. Picture more like it's physical. Yeah, it's not it's not digital at all. It's a physical board with holes punched in in it in a variety of patterns, and it's vertical. So it's not a pinball thing that's like horizontal. This is a vertical okay. thing, a board with holes in it. Pressed up against that board are two metal rods that are horizontal. Oh, actually, I have played this. They have it at uh, uh, 1984. Yes, that's, yes, exactly. Anyway, there's a marble yeah. placed on those two rods, and you're able to control the left side of the rods and the right side of the rods independently with two different joysticks. So you are and the and the the metal ball, the the little um, marble that is placed on the rods rolls back and forth based on the relation of the left and right of the rod. Incline so you, or whatever, yeah. Yeah, you lift up the left, you lift up the right, and you're trying to slide, roll that marble back and forth, and you're trying to avoid most of the holes, but get it into one specific hole, and the 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 surface is very tall and has lots of holes punched into it. And you, as you progress, it goes, okay, well, you need to get up, you know, this far and put it in this hole and you do that. And it's like, okay, well, you need to get even farther and getting in this hole. But there's so many pitfalls along the way. That's very difficult to maneuver the ball just right and get it all the way up to the, to the correct hole. I watched a guy I've never seen this before. Christian and I have played this game many, many times. We've played it with friends. We all love it. It's like, oh, if you get up to the third or fourth I think I tier. Did, you or I did like five or six, and I felt like a god, god when we were right? there. <clears throat> I'm, I can't stress enough that I'm not exaggerating any of this, okay? I watched this dude walk up to Ice Cold Beer and on one quarter get to the top. Dang. He... I'm telling you. Do you have a power glove on? Like, what are we talking? There was this massive crowd around. I don't know who this dude was. <laughs> massive crowd around. He was the coolest guy I've ever seen. He had this leather jacket and these dreads. <laughs> and he comes walking up. Dang. And, and he, like, the place parts for him. I don't know if anybody knew who he was. He, he on one quarter, does it all the way to the top. All the way to the top. Pops it in and then walks away. Oh. It was the coolest thing. I turned um, – uh, Aaron, my wife, was standing next to me. I was like, Aaron, you don't understand. I've been playing this game. I love this game. I've never seen anybody do that. And then two other people who were standing in front of me turned around. And they're like, I've, we've never seen anybody do that either. And like the, the, it just started talking about like the legend of this guy. And <laughs> at a certain point, I was like, did we all even see that or was it a dream? <laughs> you know, was it some – you know, do we all just have a fever dream to witness – Inhuman, an inhuman act. It is one of the most difficult things that I could imagine at an arcade. That's like so a pinball cool. wizard, you know? Anyway. So cool. I should say, as we're here talking about this kind of thing, dear arcade one up slash Zen pinball, um, I will happily give you my address if you need someone to test that Star Wars pinball machine that you guys showed at CES. Happy to do it. Those things look so cool. Oh, they look yeah. so cool. Yeah, they really do. Maybe I need an ice cold beer machine also. Oh my, that game, it's it's great. And barcades are also, they're, they're great. Yeah. I I mean, I, I want to do anything as well as that guy did ice cold beer. <laughs> ever, <laughs> once in my life, ever, you know? Anyway. 
All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Michelle Morrow and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. Thanks to all of the people hanging out in our subreddit, excuse me, hanging out in our uh, live chat room, making the show better in real time. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of you who download the show. We appreciate you too. If you have a second, maybe give us a rating on iTunes or tell a friend about the show. We certainly appreciate that. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.